So this morning we are uh, pleased to welcome Dan Russell, who's going to be uh, preaching for us this morning. Uh, Dan works at uh, Union Gospel Mission. He is the uh, director of programs there. Uh, he's been there for since 2007, so uh, he's been there for quite a while. Uh, and we're pl- blessed to have him with us here this morning. Uh, prior to working at UGM, he was uh, working with his wife Karen in Austria at uh, Schloss Mittersill, uh, work, doing missionary work there. So uh, I'll invite Dan up, and I'll pray for him, and then we will uh, hear from him this morning. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you for the people that you put in our lives. We thank you for Dan and the work that he does on the downtown east side with Union Gospel Mission. Uh, we pray that you would bless him this morning, that you would anoint him with your spirit to speak to us the words that he has prepared. We ask that you give us open hearts and minds to hear your message through him. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Keith. Good morning. That works. Wow, you guys are on top of it. Thank you for that lovely time of worship. Good to see you, Jen. I wish I was with your husband at Pebble Beach, but I'm delighted to be here this morning. And uh, as Keith mentioned, Karen and I were at Schloss-Mittersill for many years, so Robert and Heather became dear friends, and we know Jim and Barb, of course, and the clan came over when the boys were small. Todd and Jed came over when the boys were just ankle biters, and uh, got to know James and Ann and others. So it's wonderful to be with you. Hear good things about Sutherland over the years. It's good to be here on Father's Day, and of course, some of us, the basketball fans, are still basking in the glow of the Raptor victory. So it's, it's been a good week for those of us who love basketball. We're here to talk about more important things this morning, so it's wonderful to be with you here. I understand uh, you've been going through a series on missional living, which is, which is wonderful, which is a, a great series. We've been going through a similar series at Emmanuel, our home church in Richmond, um, through the book of Acts. So I'm going to be sharing with you a few thoughts this morning on Barnabas. And so the scriptures were a little disjointed this morning. I'll try to tie them together for you. Barnabas, I think, is one of the unsung heroes in the book of Acts. I think he's, a, he's an amazing person. I was able to look at his life a little bit more closely in some of my studies. One of our boys, Andreas, says, Dad, you're always talking about Barnabas, Barnabas this and Barnabas that. Well, I think there's a reason for that. He was an amazing person who, he wasn't one of the big upfront leaders. He was a leader, but he wasn't like Peter and Paul in the book of Acts. But he did some amazing work that we'll look at this morning. So, there we go. The theme this morning is standing in the gap. So as we think of our missional lives together, we're going to think of standing in the gap. Obviously, our Lord is the one who stood in the gap for all of us on the cross. But we're going to think about how we can stand in the gap for others this morning. So here's our theme this morning. I'll give you my theme right away so you can follow along. Barnabas, the encourager, was a good man. Full of the Spirit, he stood in the gap. And now this is your part. Think about how you would complete the sentence for yourself. Thinking about Barnabas. I, your name, the, what would they call you? Barnabas was called the encourager. What might your nickname be in the kingdom of God? I'm a good woman. I'm a good man. Full of the spirit. I stand in the gap by. And you finish the sentence. So that's what we're thinking about this morning. We love the book of Acts. It's a wonderful story, of course, of the early church and of God's work in the early church. P. 
Peter and Paul were the two great leaders. They were kind of hard heads, very zealous in their work. They might not be our first choice for dinner guests, but that's who God chose to lead the early church. And they did amazing things. And Paul was the bad guy. When he was Saul, of course, he was, he was probably the most feared man in the early church. And so, as was just read, we know the story. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if, that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Saul was not a nice man. He was downright nasty. He was looking for the followers of Jesus. They're called the people of the way to take them and put them away in prison. Have you ever been scared for your life? Or been really afraid of someone? Most of us here have probably grown up in in loving homes. Hopefully we have. I grew up in a very loving home in the little town of Gold River and had a very stable, safe life on the island. But there was one time in my life as a young person, I was in grade nine, and I had a little job in the little town of Gold River cleaning up in this little this little mall, outdoor shopping mall. And at that time in Gold River, a couple of bad kids moved into town. It was a small town, so everyone knew everyone. These were kids who were in trouble with, with the law already at that age. They were bullies. They were beating people up. They called them juvenile delinquents. I don't know if they still use that term. And for some reason, they decided to pick on little Danny Russell. They decided that I was going to be one of their projects. So they came by while I was cleaning. No one else was around. And they would come by every night and threaten me. We're going to come by when no one else is around. And we're going to beat the bleep out of you, is what they said. And they could have done it. Little Danny Russell wouldn't have been able to do anything about it. And they're the kind of kids who would do it. I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to get beaten up like any other high school kid would be. A few nights later, totally unbeknownst to me, one of the big kids came in town. He was from, came by. He was in grade 12. He was no longer a boy. He was a man. He was a logger's son. This was, this was logging country. There were, two big, there were two big kids in the school. Everyone knew who the tough kids were, and this was one of them. His name was Tony Reeves. Tony Reeves comes right up to me. I've never talked to him before. He says, hey, kid. Yes. Did those punks say that they're going to come by and beat you up? We told them, Junior and I, the two big kids in the school, if they lay one finger on you, we're going to beat the bleepity bleep bleep right out of them. He said a lot of really bad words. He was very good at that. I'm sitting there with eyes big, like, Tony Reeves is protecting me? I've never talked to the guy in my life. He decided that it was, it was very unjust that these, these bullies were picking on me. And guess what? I was free. They wouldn't mess with me if they knew Tony Reeves was coming after them. Tony Reeves never knew he was going to make it into a sermon. He stood in the gap for little Dan Russell, and I'll never forget that. When someone stands in the gap for you, it makes a powerful difference, especially when you're afraid. So in our story, we see that Barnabas does this, obviously not for Paul's physical well-being. Well, maybe it was for his physical well-being. So picking up the story again, we see, there we go, that Saul, Saul has come to the Lord. We know the story. Barnabas was there with them. And then he comes to Jerusalem where the, where the uh, leaders of the church were assembled. And he wants to speak in the name of the Lord. But the disciples were afraid of them, not believing he really was a disciple. 
Of course they were afraid of him. This was the guy who was throwing them into prison. This was the bad guy. They were not idiots. But then two little sentences change everything. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul on his journey had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. That's what Barnabas did. As a result of Barnabas standing in the gap, so Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. Isn't that a great story? It's not a small event in the life of the early church. Paul was the enemy of the church. He needed someone like Barnabas, who was respected in the church, to stand in the gap for him and say, it's all right, I can vouch for this guy. So who was this guy that changed history and stood in the gap for Saul? What kind of man was he? Barnabas, as I said, is an unsung hero, I believe. He's mentioned 23 times in the book of Acts, so he's, he's quite frequently mentioned, often with, with Paul. The first time he's mentioned, you probably remember the story in Acts 4, when they were selling their possessions to give to the poor. The first time we hear about Barnabas, it says this. From time to time, there were those who owed, owned land or houses. They sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Joseph, his name was actually Joseph, a Levite from Cyprus, whom the apostles called Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, sold a field he owned and brought the money and put it at the apostles' feet. There we go. That's how we first hear it about Barnabas. So he's an interesting guy. Joseph uh, was a pretty common name in those times. So to distinguish him from others, they called him Barnabas. Maybe you have a common name around here. So they gave him this nickname. He's an interesting guy. He's a Levite. You remember who the Levites were. So he's a religious worker working in the temple. But he moved to Cyprus, which uh, apparently, you know, the commentators say a few hundred years before the Lord came, some of the Jews had moved to Cyprus. And he obviously knew the Gentile culture, and he obviously was a person of some means. He had a piece of property, and he sold it and gave the money to the apostles to distribute to the poor. So it's, it's a wonderful, wonderful introduction to, to Barnabas for us. He's called, the, um, he's called the son of encouragement. Isn't that a great nickname? Wouldn't you like to be called something like that? The son of encouragement. I, I have a theory. It has no scriptural backup whatsoever. So you can throw it out as soon as I finish my theory. But my theory is God loves us and knows us so well that he has a nickname for every one of us. That's just who he is. He created us. He just knows who we are. I think God calls us a beautiful name. We might not know it now. We might know it in heaven. But this is the kind of God that we serve. He loves us and knows us so much. And they, the, the apostles realized that's who Barnabas was, that son of encouragement. Encouragement, of course, is a, is a wonderful topic. The Greek word for encouragement is paraklesis. It's not a complicated word. It, it means just what we understand it to mean. It, the idea behind encouragement is to build up and comfort another person or literally to give courage to one another. That's what encouragement means. So if I'm encouraging Bill, I'm trying to put courage into Bill so he has courage to do something else in his life. The good news about encouragement is it's something we can all do. It's not something that you have to have a theological degree or a special gift of a charismatic leadership or something else. Encouragement is something we can all do. At my work at UGM, 
one of my favorite things I get to do. I get paid to do. One of the things I get to do is to walk around and talk to our folks working on the front lines and tell them, you are doing an amazing job. You handled that situation with that difficult client so well. And just thank them and encourage them for doing incredible work. Of course, many of our guests at, at Union Gospel Mission have um, personally had horrific backgrounds. They've often received very little encouragement in their lives. And so when our staff encourage them, it's powerful. It's restorative. They often don't believe in themselves. A big part of our work is building that courage in their lives so they can understand, they can take the steps they need to take. So encouragement is a powerful thing, something we can all do at home, at work. If we're a parent, every time we tell our kids they can do something, we're building courage into their lives. It's a beautiful thing. Another thing I love about encouragement, oh, that's kind of blurry. You guys can't read that, can you? Can you read it? No? Is that, sorry about that. It wasn't blurry on my computer. You can't read that at all. Next slide. Oh, that's the problem. It's not the car, it's the driver. I'm sorry. There we go. Thank you. Don't, don't be shy. Tell me what I need to do. Help me out. There we go. Now you can read it. So what's really cool about uh, this next word is that one of the terms for the Holy Spirit, you may know in Greek, is paraclete. So it's of the same word group as paraclesis. So one of the ideas behind the Holy Spirit, of course, is that the Spirit comforts us. He builds us up. He encourages us. So we see this close tie in Scripture between encouragement and the work of the Holy Spirit. And uh, we often see this. We see this in how prophecy is described in the New Testament. If someone has a word of prophecy, it's for the building up of the body. So to build up and encourage each other. So it's a beautiful thing. So, And if you've ever received a, a word that you realize is from the Lord, a direct word from the Lord for you, or God speaks to you through his word, it's, very, it's often very encouraging and affirming. A few years ago, actually when Karen and I came back from Austria, we were wondering about our next steps in our lives and praying about how God would lead us. And uh, I said to Karen at one point, you know, my, my dream job would be in this organization doing this particular role. And that didn't work out, and God led me to UGM, for which I'm very thankful. And, uh, but a, a year and a half later, after starting at UGM, I got a phone call from the president of this organization. He said, you might want to check out our website. And my dream job was being posted that he was encouraging me to apply to. I'm going, Karen, it's my dream job. And the president's called me. This is exciting. My wise wife said, I don't know. I think God's called you to you, Jim. Do you remember that conversation we had? And I said, that's my dream job. She said, yeah, I remember that. I just don't think that's what God wants. Interesting. We had friends visiting from Germany that summer. They were with us for about a month off and on while they were traveling around uh, Canada. And, uh, and she, the, the wife and the couple, is, is quite, has a gift of, of prophetic words at times. And the last night we were with them, we were just gathered around the kitchen table praying together for each other, having a lovely time of prayer. And uh, at one point, Ancha is her name. Ancha said, Dan, I think I have, I have a vision of you. And she had this picture of me standing downtown, looking toward the east with my hands up in worship. And I knew she was referencing my work at Union Gospel Mission. She said, you're, you're downtown, and you're, you're looking toward the east, and you're worshiping God. And she paused, and I hadn't said anything. And she said, she opens up her eyes, and she says, 
Dan, are you thinking of quitting your job? I'm going, looking at her. I'm thinking, she doesn't know anything about this. Look at Karen. She said, you are exactly where God wants you to be. You are not supposed to leave Union Gospel Mission. That's where he's led you, and you've got a very important role there. I look at Karen, and she smiles. Doesn't say I told you so. And uh, God spoke into my life in a powerful way. I needed to hear that word because God had called me to UGM, and I'm very thankful to be there. But I was wondering about this, this beautiful, what I thought was this amazing opportunity over here, but it wasn't from the Lord. And God encouraged me in words through Anchas. God spoke directly to my spirit and said, this is where I've called you to be, and you are the right person for this role. So when God does that, it's a powerful thing in our lives. We need to be, need to be really careful in our lives that we give God space to speak into us in these ways through our times of prayer and our small groups and our friends, if they're friends, whatever way we can, because the Lord will encourage us as well. All right. Standing in the gap. Back to our passage. So Barnabas took Paul and brought him to the apostles. The idea here is that Barnabas took Saul and said, I can vouch for this guy. I can speak for him. He's taking him under his wing. He can say things that Saul himself didn't have the authority to say at that time. He gave him a voice. Working with the people in the downtown east side, we often deal with folks who don't really have a voice. I realize, I realize now, uh, working in the downtown east side, that I am a very privileged person. I'm middle class, white, educated male. I have a voice that's heard in ways that a lot of the voices of the folks we serve in the downtown east side are not heard. When we were in Austria, of course, uh, we were speaking German when we were dealing with the local folks, and um, my German got to be fairly good. My friend said, oh, Dan, your German's so your German's so good now. And, of course, my kids would say, Dad, please don't speak German. All your friends speak English. Your German's so bad. And I thought it was great. But I realized I can't communicate in German the way I can communicate in English. I just can't. I'm sort of fluent, but sort of not. So it's frustrating when you don't have the ability to say what you really want to say, especially about deep life issues. So at UGM, we have the privilege of, of providing voice for those who often don't have a voice. We, uh, our case managers and outreach workers and chaplains are advocates for these folks on the downtown east side. We had one guest who's doing really well. I just talked to him the other day. He's going to take his 10-year cake. I don't know if you know the cake tradition. It's Alcoholics Anonymous where you celebrate your years of sobriety. So he'll have 10 years in a couple of weeks. But it took us seven years to get his uh, ID identification completely resolved. Seven years to work through those bureaucratic channels. Imagine what it would be like if you didn't have your identification and you're doing your taxes or you're doing some other things. It's a real problem. It took us seven years. Now, it usually doesn't take that long, but it's a challenge. So standing in the gap, the idea behind, of course, is standing in for folks who otherwise can't get these things done, something that we can all do. We can stand in the gap, of course, through folks on the margins, uh, I'm sure you folks do that in many ways here. We're starting to work with some refugees at our home church. We can stand in the gap with our elderly parents, whoever God brings our way. Think about the voice that you have and who you can speak up for and ask yourself, who am I supposed to be speaking up for? All right. Barnabas, we're jumping, as uh, Nicholas said, we're jumping around a bit because the theme of, this, of the story is learning from Barnabas of the sermon. 
And Barnabas was next spoken about in Antioch, and we'll just look at a couple of verses here. News of this, the, the this is that there, the, the people in Antioch, which was a Gentile city, were becoming Christians. So the Gentiles were becoming Christians, reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. He understood. Remember, he lived in Cyprus. To, he understood the Gentile communities, and he went there. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. This is who Barnabas was, a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. I love this description about being a good man, full of the Spirit and faith. None of us are perfect people, of course. Barnabas wasn't either. Uh, when we're honest, of course, we understand that we, of course, need the Lord's touch in our lives uh, on a regular basis. We're broken people. We still have to fight the sin in our hearts. But in the midst of the brokenness and pain and sin in the world, and even the pain and sin we see in the downtown east side, there is goodness, this goodness that God instills in us and teaches us about. This, this word for goodness here, Barnabas being good man, is the same word for goodness, agathos, that's in the fruit of the Spirit passage. You know that passage in Galatians 5? The fruit of the Spirit is love. You know this passage. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. These are the beautiful traits of God that he grants us. So this, this goodness is not a, it's not a kind of a rule-following goodness, obeying the rules. It's a spirit-inspired goodness. It's a goodness about walking as the Lord leads us. I don't know a lot of you folks here very well, but I know a little bit about Sutherland and the work you do at Anvil Island and in many other places. There are a lot of good people in this room this morning, and you can be encouraged by that. You can be encouraged about the goodness in your own hearts and your own lives and the actions that are following the Lord. Be thankful for that. See that in others and encourage them and thank them. The older ones who have, obviously this gentleman who passed away, was a good man who loved the Lord and honored him in his way. And the younger ones, encourage them. Goodness is a beautiful thing. When people see our goodness, when they see us standing in the gap and encouraging others, they realize there is a difference in our lives. Jesus is real. We're not just living for ourselves. We're living for his kingdom. And that's a beautiful thing. One of the other things about this goodness and standing the gap, of course, it doesn't matter how old we are, even when we get older and we maybe aren't as mobile, we can stand in the gap through prayer. It's one of the most powerful ways we can do this. Uh, we have people, our, our daughter just had a concussion. She's, at, she's in uh, Colorado Springs right now, and those uh, you folks probably wouldn't know that our daughter, Michaela, who's 23 today, it's her birthday today, Jim and Barb will remember her, and Jen might remember her, um, she had a concussion a couple of years ago and has had a really hard time. It's been a, it was a very serious concussion. She had to slow down doing a lot of things and had to slow down her studies. But she just graduated from UBC and she's been doing much better. Sadly, yesterday, she had a real setback. We were on the phone and dealing with you know, medical insurance and all these things. She got a concussion in Colorado, which is very sad as she's down there doing some training. But one of the things my wife did is she phoned around to the people in our church, the prayer warriors, and she said, you need to stand in the gap for Michaela right now. This is a setback. We don't know how serious it is yet. We, we don't think it's serious, but she's had two years of struggling with concussion symptoms. This is not a good thing. So she called around, and people are praying for Michaela today, and they will pray for her. 
It's a powerful thing. All right, one last slide. Oops, I think. There we go. No, where we go? There we go. One last thought. Barnabas was not perfect. We all fail. Barnabas, uh, the last passage we hear about Barnabas is when he had this conflict with Paul. And Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. And Paul did not think it wise to take them because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. That's another sermon for another day, but I'm simply making the point that we all blow it sometimes, friends. And I don't know who was right or who was wrong, or maybe they were both wrong when Paul and Barnabas parted ways. Uh, But God redeems these situations. Later on, we know the story that Paul says, send me Mark. He's been useful to me. There was redemption, even in this story. The point I'm making is if you're feeling down about yourself and struggling, what matters to the Lord is not whether we're perfect, whether we get it all right, but are our feet pointed toward him? Are we seeking to follow him in our lives with the Lord? Are we seeking to be led by the Spirit in his goodness? Are we looking for opportunities to stand in the gap for him? So that's what we're called to do this morning. And so Barnabas the encourager was a good man, full of the Spirit, who stood in the gap. Fill in the sentence for yourself. What is God calling you to do? The good news is we don't have to be a powerful leader or a great spokesperson. We can all encourage and stand in the gap. So let's do that. Walk in the Barnabas way as our Lord leads. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you.